0: Of Unapologetically Joy. My name is Joy. I'm the host of this podcast, and we have an amazing guest today. And she is Dr. Angel Storm. She is a life coach, a mentor, an author, and a speaker. She has a PhD in conflict analysis and resolution with a concentration in international uh, peace. She has a degree in international security and also in human development. And she served also in the U.S. Army for six years. And she started her own company in 2018, The Manifold Mind, where she coaches people who are recovering from narcissistic abuse and helping them back uh, on track and also find purpose again in life. So uh, welcome, Angel. Thank you so much
1: (laughs) for having me, Joy. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you today.
0: Yeah, of course. I think it's going to be a really interesting interview, really juicy. And um, yeah, we're going to cover some uh, subjects about narcissism. And uh, we're going to cover topics like uh, what is a narcissist? Uh, How can we recognize them? Um, How to deal with narcissistic people? Um, How to leave them? And also eventually how to recover from a narcissist and uh, find purpose again. Um and I find it also in my life really um difficult to see if somebody is a narcissist. Um I'm also dating and sometimes I think like, oh, he's such a narcissist, but is that really true? Or is he just arrogant or selfish? So um I was wondering what is a narcissist and how can we recognize them? Sure, sure,
1: <laughs> absolutely. So uh, a narcissist regardless of the context that you meet them in will have a few red flags and sometimes these red flags are easier to identify in terms of the way that that person is making you feel as opposed to what they're actually doing right because a narcissist is extremely tends to be extremely charming and highly manipulative and seductive and so the way that they say things can appear like there's nothing wrong with the words that they're saying. However, you might notice once you leave the conversation or even in that moment, like something just isn't adding up. Maybe you feel confused after uh, having the conversation, like they said this thing and yet they do this thing. And then that makes me feel, you know, confused about where we stand. Um, you might find yourself. Being gaslit, which is a term that means somebody is trying to make you think that the reality that you experienced actually didn't happen. Uh, Gaslighting is is you know potentially the most common uh, identifier of a narcissist, someone who tries to deny your reality uh, and to give you a different reality that you should be believing instead. Um, yeah. you, you might find yourself again, that's why the confusion sets in, right? Well, did that really happen? Am I really the, the, the person who's causing trouble here because I can't remember things correctly? You know, uh, it's, so, how
0: confusing. Come, yeah. it's
1: so confusing. And you, what, what the other part of, of dealing with a narcissist is, is that, uh you you will notice that the narcissist is different with other people and so it's like this group of people never have a problem with the narcissist. Why does it seem that I'm always having a problem with this person? And uh, that's very common because there's another thing called triangulation, which the narcissist will use to make you feel like you are the outsider and that you need to somehow earn the narcissist acceptance of who you mm-hmm. are, of your opinions and that type of thing. Narcissists will will also tend to have what what we call flying monkeys, which are people who more or less surround the narcissist and do their bidding. And so when you're presented with so many people uh, without understanding that this is a narcissist and that this is how their structure in life works, it can feel like I really am the outsider. I really am the only one who has these types of issues and I really need to fix myself. Um, and that's a huge reason, specifically with people that are married to a narcissist, that we see them staying in the relationship so long is because they'll they'll have what seems to be a healthy social life. They'll seem to have a very thriving career uh, and all of these types of things. And it's like when the narcissist comes home, of course, you get a completely different version of that person than what these other groups are experiencing. And yet, they'll often use that as the reason. Like, you see how successful I am at work. You see that I have tons of friends. It's just you. You're the problem. I have an issue with you. You need to be the one to fix it. And and again, that's one of the most common reasons why people stay with a narcissist, especially when they are uh, when they are married to them. But you'll find that narcissists are highly. It's it doesn't matter what they're doing. It always circulates back to them. And again, this sometimes takes a little bit of uh skill and um and forethought in order to to recognize because things that seem to be very uh altruistic and uh, Motivated by doing good are actually to point the spotlight back onto the narcissist, right? Like, look at all of these good things that I am doing, and I am the savior of this community or of this cause or uh, that type of thing. And so you'll see that the narcissist must be the center of attention no matter what is happening. It actually always goes back to them, even if it looks like what they're doing is for a greater good or a better cause or something like that. It actually has to do with uh, promoting their own agenda. Making sure that they're they continue to be the center of of not only attention but affection of the community. Yeah.
0: And are they really self aware of it that they are doing it? Are they really looking for a victim or? Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, narciss. So narcissism, uh, uh, when we get into the actual uh, uh, personality disorder, as it were, uh, is is on a scale, and so so you can have very various levels of narcissism. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the majority of them absolutely, they absolutely know what they're doing. They're very aware mm-hmm. of the tactics and the behaviors that they need to do in order to elicit certain uh, responses from the community that they are working in, which uh, the higher you get on the scale, so the more into things like antisocial personality disorder, which we used to call uh, a sociopath. And when we get into Uh, true psychopathic uh, behaviors, they are very much aware of what they are doing. They are actively enhancing the skill of being a narcissist, and they are looking for ways to perfect that craft. So they're, in other words, they are looking for a challenge.
0: Crazy. And what kind of people um, accept this? Because I was also researching about it, and I just realized a lot of like also strong people really fall for narcissistic people or people that are really uh, have really high uh, empathy
1: mm-hmm. yeah right exactly and and i think one of the things that is uh uh hardest i think for people to understand narcissism when when i talk about narcissists i try to ensure that people understand they the narcissist is an excellent People reader, they are excellent uh, at at determining somebody's energy, at, at picking victims, uh, knowing which targets to to go after. They are excellent at reading energy. They're energy vampires. They know exactly how to pick their people, uh, and a lot of people struggle with that because they think they equate the person I'm speaking with will typically equate. Uh, Being a good people reader with somebody who is empathetic, somebody who has emotional intelligence in terms of the way that they relate to other people and the way that they read emotional cues from other people. But those are not the same thing. What I'm saying is that the narcissist can see your weaknesses, and whether or not you can see your weaknesses is what determines whether or not you will be a target of narcissistic abuse or victim of narcissistic abuse. Because you can be a target all day and not be a victim. Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, the other thing, uh, so that's what why highly empathetic people, and again. Uh, INFJs are the most rare form of personality type in the world. They make up about 1% of the population. And yet I would say between 94 and 98% of the clients that I see are INFJ, meaning the Mm -hmm. narcissist understands how to use your gift against you how wow. to exploit your gift so that you continuously uh, view them in a different way that you keep giving them more and more energy. Because these types of people are the world's, they were created to be the world's healers. They were created to uh, uh, show the world an extra level of of grace and things like that. But the, the, they typically don't understand how to utilize that gift. So the narcissist sees that that is easily exploitable. When it comes to people who are uh, very strong and driven and that type of thing a- attracting a narcissist or accepting a narcissist into their life uh uh for a few reasons there there's obviously you know I can't speak to every single situation but there's a yeah. couple of reasons that that tends to happen number 1 people who are driven who are very strong-willed who make a plan and do the plan and who are very type A tend to attract other people who are type A, right? Who are doing that exact thing. And the narcissist is easily able to to seem like they are that way, right? I'm a take control, take charge kind of person. I'm here to get stuff done. And a type A person is going to want to be with that type of person because we don't have time for other people who are kind of making up their lives and waiting over here. And uh, what we seem to think of as kind of wasting our lives, right? So we're looking for people who are go-getters, who are ready to get stuff done just like we are. And unfortunately, we we some can again have blinders on because although that's a strength, the narcissist again can exploit it, right? Because it becomes a weakness if there's no boundary around it. And if we're not actually aware of the power that that kind of thing entails. So, uh, that can be one reason. And another reason is because, uh, sometimes when, when you're a strong, strong strong-willed person, you may have met the narcissist, although you were strong-willed, you were, Uh, younger and so you were both young and now you've, you're growing up together and you're, you're doing your thing, but you're not paying attention to the way that the narcissist is developing again their craft. They are Mm. perfecting their, their skill set, uh, in terms of exploiting other people, in terms of picking victims, uh, and targets for their Need of narcissistic supply, and so we can tend to overlook that because we're very focused on what it is that we're doing. Right, we're very driven, we're very focused, and we're we're doing the thing that we are supposed to be doing. We assume that the narcissist is also doing that, except that they're they they are doing that, except in the narcissistic way. Right, they're yeah, doing like, their craft yeah. there.
0: Yeah.
1: Yes. Exactly. And so there are a couple of different reasons how that how that actually ends up. Uh, working out with with people who are uh, kind of non no nonsense type of people attracting narcissists or or accepting the uh, abuse from narcissists it can come a couple of different ways but those are two
0: interesting and is it also like trauma bonding mm. can it also be the case yes absolutely
1: um, absolutely the the other thing about uh, strong-willed people is that they are not willing typically to accept loss. They're not willing to kind of cut the cord, right? Where, where maybe other people or had they had had strong, stronger-willed people been more aware of the fact that, hey, this is a concept. Narcissism is actually a very dangerous thing and you could be dealing with a narcissist. It can be very difficult for us to label it as a being a narcissist because number 1 we don't want to accept failure we are a fixer we are a go getter we are a, this is this problem has a solution let me go find that solution and to kind of step back and be able to say this, this situation actually has no solution. The only solution is that I move away from this, that I cut ties and allow this person to leave my life, exit my life. Uh, it can be very difficult for people who are again, type a, very driven, strong willed. They don't want to do that. That's out of their nature. That is not something that, that is, uh, that they are comfortable doing. So that can be one of the reasons and absolutely trauma bonding. Um, uh, plays a huge role in, in mm-hmm. why anybody wouldn't leave a narcissist because mm-hmm. we don't even realize that while we've been spending time with a narcissist, uh, essentially our our way of thinking has slowly shifted to their way of thinking. Right, and so now we have thoughts that aren't actually our thoughts; they're actually the narcissist's thoughts about us, about our life, and we are making decisions based off of those thoughts. So, trauma bonding, one hundred percent, is is a huge reason uh, for people to not leave the narcissist. In fact, it's the it's the biggest reason why people do not. Wow. Uh, one of the yes, because. Trauma bonding is not just about your emotional state or your mental attachment to somebody. This is this is a real biochemical connection in your body. This is no different than somebody who's addicted to an outside substance like alcohol or gambling or whatever the situation may be, except for this drug is tailor-made for each person by your own body. So in other words, you need another hit of oxytocin. You need another hit of dopamine. Your body knows the exact amount to make for you to make you feel like I must stay with this person I must make this relationship work and and uh, so detoxing your body and resetting the you, the ability for your brain to make new neural connections Uh, and think different thoughts. That's a huge part of healing from a narcissist. It's not just the emotional and mental abuse that needs to be uh, healed, which of course does need to be healed, uh, and even physical or sexual or financial abuse as well. But I'm talking specifically, I I find a lot of people neglect the fact that there's an actual physical addiction happening as well.
0: Wow. That sounds really toxic. (laughs) So toxic. Yeah.
1: And you could you could see how this permeates into every area of somebody's life then. You see how this would affect somebody's physical health, somebody's financial health, because you're not making decisions that are actually your choice anymore. You're allowing this drug, the narcissist, the connection that you have to the narcissist to make all of your, your decisions. Uh, relationally, you can see how people would end up very isolated, uh, How how emotionally people don't even know how to to, how to care for oneself because we don't we're not even aware of our needs at this point because again we're hearing the narcissist words we're thinking the narcissist thoughts and our yeah. bodies are really working against us in, in, during this time as well because our bodies are telling us we need to be with this person we need to find a way to make this relationship work
0: wow crazy and is it also like um can narcissist people also change is that possible? Are they open for, for a change or will they ever? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So, so a few things, first of all, there, there is in, in, in the, the field of psychology, there is no cure for uh, narcissism. There are a couple of documented cases where, uh, it was controlled through extreme levels of therapy, uh, and, and medication, uh, but it is not curable in the in the natural sense of the word um now i believe in miracles i believe anything
0: can happen however i've just never seen it okay okay and um for example um if somebody's listening and they are quite sure that they are living with a narcissist or uh they have someone close to them who is a narcissist and like you said, it can be so addictive. And um, what is the best way to deal with a narcissist? Because yeah, it, I think it's gonna it can it can be really dangerous.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so I think first and foremost, a couple of things need to happen. Number one, uh, I really encourage people to uh, uh, start getting outside influence in the situation. So even if that means if you're not ready to go see a therapist, you're not ready to hire a coach, you're not ready to take some big step like this, start by just allowing yourself to hear your words, tell yourself. So speak your story to yourself where you are hearing the reality that you are living. So I encourage everybody to, to keep a journal, right? to start documenting everything. As soon as you interact with this person, you're feeling confusion, you're feeling frustration, you're feeling lonely and empty. Uh, you, you're not, maybe not ready to call this person a narcissist yet. That's fine. Just start documenting what's going on and then make a commitment to yourself to read through your journal entries or your documentation uh, every week at least or something like that because there's a, a a very powerful thing that happens when you hear the reality. You you allow yourself to hear your story right through your voice. Um, uh, the other thing, uh, the next step I would take is to find a friend that you can actually start sharing this with because. In some situations, you really do need to be more strategic than others, especially if you're living with a narcissist, if you're married to a narcissist, you have children, or you own a business with a narcissist. You you do need to be strategic about the way that you approach it, because again, uh, uh, there are narcissists that are are actual psychopaths or uh, who are antisocial, and they need you. You must take precaution and having a support system to help you uh think through and plan through your escape, your next moves in terms of what it means to actually start detangling yourself physically from this person w- w- will be absolutely necessary for for you to do that. Uh uh so document just a quick recap, document everything. Get comfortable hearing yourself sharing your story. Tell a friend your story and to plan your next moves. Uh, Another thing that I encourage people to do is that as you're, as you're at this point now in the process and you're going through your documentation, you're reading through your journal entries or whatever it may be, I, I encourage people to, to ask yourself one question and, and that determines your next move. And your quest, the question you should ask yourself is, if somebody was treating my child this way, if someone was treating my daughter this way, if someone was treating my best friend this way what would I do? What would my response to that be? Because it can be very difficult for, again, the trauma bond doesn't allow us to see the, the, the reality of what's happening to us. But if we think about, um, would we allow somebody to, to, to talk to our kids this way or our best friend this way, or what would our advice to our best friend be if this was her story or, or if this was your child's story? Uh, then then it can help give us a better picture of what really needs to be done, right? Because if we're, we're here to set a good example for our children, uh, to be good friends to our, our relation in our relationships, yeah. then we need to uh,
0: start treating ourselves that way first. Yeah, really good advice. And um, I was reading on your website that you also experience uh, narcissistic abuse in your family. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about, uh, that story?
1: Yes, when, yes, absolutely. I have, uh, so I have twins and, uh, and when, when I was pregnant and then after when the twins were born, uh, the biological father, first of all, left when I was five weeks pregnant. And so he wasn't involved at all with the pregnancy or even the birth or even after, uh, them being here for a year. Uh, But when they were a year, one of my children was, one of the twins was diagnosed with uh, a rare form of cancer and a blood disease as well. And at that point he came back in the picture and filed for custody And there was a bunch of other things that I didn't know about him that I discovered through what would later become, you know, a many years long court ordeal, Uh, such as some of those things are that he had another child that he had a restraining order against, you know, the mother of that child had already had a restraint. So there's various things like this, where um, there was a clear pattern of behavior that had been occurring over many years, but I didn't know about that because I didn't know him well enough. Wow. And, um, and so anyway, yes, this is, this was ultimately this, this event, the, the, the custody case, uh, my daughter, of course, needing, extreme specialized care was the thing that ultimately made me leave my government job. As you mentioned in the beginning, I worked for the army. Well, after I was done working, after I was done being in the army as a soldier, I worked for the army as a civilian for another seven years. And, uh, and so I left that job, um, in order to, Essentially, do what I do now because it had because I saw firsthand how destructive narcissist narcissism is. I guess before this happened to me as well, I thought a narcissist was just somebody who's like I. I associated the narcissist as like the guy at the gym who's mm-hmm. t- taking all the selfies, you know, no. who's um, whatever, who's, who's obsessed about how they look or whatever. And I guess this really put in perspective for me, there was so much more to this than I even knew. And in fact, it was because when I was in the, the court case, I have, I had a best friend. I had a, I had a friend at the time who was a, who was a licensed clinical social worker. And she said to me, some of this behavior is, um, is pathological do you, i think he's a narcissist and i think you should request some of his medical records uh long story short that that ends up happening and uh and sure enough there were he, in in this situation he was actually diagnosed <clears throat> so mm-hmm. there but regardless but regardless of whether somebody is diagnosed or not because it's very it's very difficult to get somebody diagnosed with any of the cluster B personalities because number one, they're not going to go to a therapist. They're not going to say something is, you know, they're not going to admit something needs to be changed. If they do go to a therapist, it's to perfect their craft, which is another reason why I do not recommend you try to fix this, the relationship by going to a therapist because most therapists aren't trained to recognize a cluster B. They're not trained to recognize the subtle manipulation and uh and and
0: control, coercive control that's lurking beneath the surface. Hi guys, sorry we had a technical issue because I'm calling from Spain and she's calling from America. But we fixed it. So, let's go back to the podcast. Angel, give it away. So, uh Angel, We were talking about the court and about your friends. Um, Sure, absolutely. So
1: (laughs) during this situation, um, like I said, I, I had a friend who was a licensed clinical social worker, and she started raising these questions to me about this behavior because it was just it wasn't adding up, it wasn't making sense, but I also really couldn't find the answers to why that was like why doesn't this make sense? Why isn't it all adding up? And it wasn't until she mentioned uh, to me that uh, this was pathological behavior and uh, and one of the things I kind of just want to pause here and say, st- say really quickly to the listeners is that regardless of if somebody is diagnosed with NPD, any type of the cluster Bs at all, it's important to recognize that if somebody is toxic in any type of way, that sh- that behavior should not be tolerated. And that needs to be exposed and uh, in order to ha- cause that behavior to stop. So regardless of if your person is an actual narcissist or if they are exhibiting tendencies of narcissistic behavior, if they whatever it is that they have, it's just important that we, uh, we understand that toxic behavior should not be tolerated at all. And the more toxic behavior you do tolerate, the more opportunities there are for narcissists to kind of come in and, uh, and take hold in your life. Um, yeah, sure. uh, but anyway, really this, this situation for me was so, uh, Foreign. I'd never knew anything about. It. I'd never heard anything like this before. But the more I started sharing my story, the more I had people reaching out to me, sharing their stories and telling me that this is what they experienced, and um, and all that type of stuff. And so for me, this was such a, a again a departure from what I was used to, what I had been experiencing, what I had been exposed to, that I could I I. I knew that there was no turning back, that I must do something to help other people because during my experience, I was looking for me. I was looking for someone who understood narcissistic abuse, who understood what is happening in the court situation because this is a very, unless you're trained and intentional about doing so, it's difficult to expose it in court, right? Because there's typically not evidence unless you know how to collect it, uh, unless you know how to document things uh, to bring to court to show that this behavior is extremely destructive. And especially if there are what we call invisible wounds, right? So these aren't physical marks left on somebody's body. And even then it can be difficult, unfortunately, inside a family court to get somebody to uh, move on your children's behalf. And for me, uh, there just really wasn't any other option uh, other than to, to take this experience and to turn it into something that could benefit other people. And again, like I said, to become the person that I was really looking for myself when I was going through this situation. So that's kind of how the manifold mind, uh, began.
0: Wow. Really interesting story. So yeah, you make it like your strengths and that's really beautiful. And yeah, you know, the, the
1: thing is that when, when you see yourself for the value that the narcissist saw in you, because narcissists don't break in, you know, I say thieves don't break into empty houses. Narcissists don't break into places where there isn't energy or something valuable for them to be gaining from that person. There's a reason that the narcissist targeted you. And instead of because one of the things that happens when you're with a narcissist is that you start feeling like a failure like you're not good enough like you you know you'll never amount to anything and that you have to stick with this person because they're the only person who will love you or accept you or uh, value you or add any kind of meaning to your life or whatever the the story is that they're telling you but that's just simply not true the the, the narcissist needs you not the other way around but until the the individual sees themselves as the one who has the power in the situation, you will forever be kind of running after something that's not never able to be gotten. It's never able to be caught. Um, and, and a lot of energy is wasted by doing that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, uh, one of the most powerful revelations I think as a coach, uh, uh, for me doing this now, I've helped hundreds of people. Um, I have a hundred percent success rate with my clients is because I take a holistic approach to it. So uh, this is another reason why I don't believe that uh, counseling, uh, traditional counseling is as effective as coaching with a narcissist. And uh, and that's the reason that I do coaching uh, and not counseling. But um but uh, for example, one of the things is being able to walk my clients into this realization of how powerful they are, of how much uh, influence they actually do have in this situation where their entire uh, relationship with the narcissist, or at least the majority of it, has been made they've been made to feel like they're powerless like they don't have a choice they don't have a say that their voice is never heard that their opinion isn't important and really the opposite is is exactly true it's just that you know like i was saying before we've gotten so used to thinking the narcissist's thoughts to hearing the narcissist's words in our head that we start behaving in accordance with those words and with that direction and uh truly if somebody is out there listening uh, you're you're finding yourself, you feel hopeless you feel like there's no way out there's no uh, way forward for you. Uh, just know that you are a powerful person. you make powerful choices. you have the ability to walk away from this relationship to start over to start a new life regardless of what age you're doing it at. That's another common thing that I have uh, heard in coaching is that either I've been with this I've been with this person for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Uh, or, you know, I'm 40, 50, 60, 70, and I can't, w- what life is there apart from the narcissist for me? You know, it's too late for me to start over. And all of these things are completely false. It's the narrative that the narcissist has told you. And that's the reason that
0: you think that. Yeah. And, and I think also like the recovering never ends, right? Because you're going to get triggered all the time because if you're in a new relationship, so, um, Yeah. I think you're never really good. Yeah. Yeah. You're just traumatized, you know? And I think if you're going to the next uh, relationship, you're going to get triggered again. So Uh
1: right. Without intervention. I I completely agree with that. Absolutely. You, you must take control of your healing in a uh, methodical manner. This can't just be, okay, I got rid of that narcissist. No more problem. That's, that's never going to be how it is. And I, in fact, I say this often, which is that you'll attract the same spirit in a different body. This is coming back to you because you're not learning the lesson. You know, you're not, uh, you're, you're unwilling to evolve and take what life is trying to, to give to you so that you become this next version of yourself that can actually walk out the, the life that the ideal life that you have, your destiny, your purpose, all of that type of stuff. And, and if you, if you neglect the healing process, uh, you forever will find yourself repeating these cycles, uh, not just in relationships, but in other areas as well. You know, you'll find that, that, uh, uh, for example, maybe you're thinking when I, when I can leave the narcissist, then I'll be able to invest in my education, business, hobbies, whatever it is. But you'll find that that thing never satisfies you because somebody there is going to irritate you. Someone there is triggering you. Someone there is going to try to tell you something that you don't want to hear. And uh and you'll never find fulfillment simply because you refuse to address the the real root of the issue where that where those thoughts are coming from.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, I can totally uh understand that, yeah. Um and um but after yeah, you I think you're never going to fully recover, you know, because you're always going to get triggered, but um how do you find purpose again eventually after um getting rid of the narcissist? Um do you also help them to, for example, um maybe find a new job or um yeah, find their again?
1: Yes, excellent. And and, and that is the, the crux of it all, because if we let's say w- when I met the narcissist, I was at a zero and then I met the narcissist and now I'm ready to leave the narcissist, but I'm at a negative 10. Um, I feel I don't really do a service to to my clients, to people who watch my YouTube channel, to people who connect with me in this way, if I even if I manage to bring them back to zero because uh, that person was the one who let the narcissist in that person was the one who tolerated abuse so if i put you back at zero chances of you repeating the same cycle are pretty high um so i personally don't believe that you need to live comp- you need to live traumatized forever i don't think that that's a thing uh again i i'm i feel like i'm living proof of that this stuff is not going to phase me anymore and the things that did trigger me no longer have that hold but because i was willing to go through the process of healing i think that the process of developing into and continuously learning who you are now and in the next season and in the next season that's a process um i think if we term that process healing then that seems too overwhelming and too uh uh cumbersome like why would i do that if i'm if it's going to be forever so, I don't personally think that the healing process, like the recovery process, so in other words, from negative ten to zero, is a lifelong process. No, I don't. I think that m- moving from zero to positive ten, to positive one hundred, to positive a thousand, that is always forever a process, right? Because you should be moving that bar. You should be. You are meant to evolve, right? You, you, yeah. uh, all of life tells us to do this. I'm not when when I come to Earth as a small baby. My body grows, my physical body grows, right? And we, we would look at it as something is wrong if the child stopped growing physically. And the same should be true in our emotional, in our mental, in in our, our emotional uh, capability, in our spiritual capacity. So, uh, uh, the, the recovery process for me is the negative 10, you know, as it were to the zero. I don't believe that that should be a lifelong process. I don't believe that that should take forever. And I don't believe you should live triggered. Uh, now Again, the building process from zero to 10 or 100 or whatever. Yes, that should be a lifelong thing. And for me, uh, the, the way that my programs are structured are to not just break the trauma bond, which is the number one thing that must happen. We must break the trauma bond first and foremost, because if you're thinking like the narcissist, then my words are not connecting with you. I could give you all of the help and all of the advice and all of the resources available, but if it's the narcissist mind that's receiving those things, it's never gonna be enough. It's never gonna be helpful. It's never gonna be useful. So what we need to do is first break the trauma bond and then absolutely from there, Hey, hey, I understand that this was a traumatic event. I don't believe in trying to erase the traumatic event. I believe in erasing the effects of the trauma, tra- traumatic event, but not the the event itself because it's part of your life. I'm not going to wish away 10 years of my life, 20 years of my life, 40 years of my life, whatever the situation might be. Instead, I'm going to say, how do I use that experience now? And who, who am I uh, including that, but not just that, right? My identity isn't my trauma, so who am I? Yes, this stuff happened to me. What does it look like for me to express who I am while that stuff happened to me? Other things could have happened, good things, bad things, all, all you know, whatever it is that you decide to label each of these events that happen in your life. What does it look like now as I express myself authentically? Not, not based off of who the narcissist wants me to be, who my parents want me to be, who my, uh, you know, whatever it is, my siblings, my, my family line want me to be, who am I actually? And how do I, how do I express that through purpose? Because people who are looking for purpose won't, won't find it apart from identity. If you don't know who you are, who
0: you are personally, you'll never know what you're here to do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I also think, for example, if you are healing, you also have to look at the dark side, right? So you can also use it as a learning process and and learn from your mistakes. And yes, after, Good. after that, you know, you have, to, you, have to, you have to feel first before you can heal, right? Yes, so, that's right.
1: Yeah, that's and right. I
0: really feel that. you, you must. Uh, uh,
1: one of the the hard things I think for people who are starting the recovery process is that. They're looking for a set of rules. Like if I follow these rules and if I do all these things, then I get x at the end you know and it's it's more it's less about doing the process of recovery is less about doing and more about being you have yeah. to know who you are and it can be very difficult to to allow yourself to feel these emotions to acknowledge that you're having emotions but you're exactly right you must feel in order to heal we know this from a psychology standpoint that people are unable to form uh uh neural networks neural networks that will allow them to connect uh, with their emotions if they are not willing to feel uh, the past emotions, right? So it's impossible for me to be like, okay, I'll just start over from here. You, you, There is no going from negative 10 to zero unless you're willing to go from negative 10 to zero. You, you have to do that process. You're not just going to start at a negative and somehow end up in the positive without first coming to a place of neutrality where, okay, I've recovered from that What does that mean now in terms of moving forward? But feeling all of those things, allowing yourself and honoring yourself by uh, experiencing those emotions, by remembering your repressed memories, uh, uh, that's an important part of the journey and it cannot be shortcut.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people think like that. Yeah, like there's like steps and if I follow them, everything is going to be all right. But yeah, it's for... For everybody, it's like a different process. And um, if we start feeling, we're going to feel better. That's that's how I see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, um, and for example, um, um, you are uh, not triggered anymore. And you are um, a really strong woman when I see you like this. And uh, you're helping a lot of people right now. And... What are you doing for yourself to um, keep connect to uh, stay connected with yourself?
1: Mm, that's so good. You know, one of the things that I. It is a non-negotiable for me is that uh twice a day every day I meditate for 30 minutes each time and and it's a non-negotiable so I I won't see clients during that time no matter what you know my uh my assistant and my family everybody knows if if it's this time to this time I'm meditating my phone is off you're I'm unreachable to the world and for me that is the most important, I can only give what I have, right? So if you need $5 and I don't have $5, I might want to give you $5, but if I don't have it, I can't give it. The same is true energetically. The same is true, uh, in any, in any form, right. Of life. And so if I'm not, if I don't have it myself, I have nothing to give. And, and so, especially with, uh, this is, this is one of my businesses, uh, and this one specifically Uh, I must be available in the way that, uh, is required of me to show up for my, for my clients. And that means that first and foremost, I take care of myself first. And I think that too is a huge lesson for people to learn, right? You're not being selfish because, and, and another thing, you know, for me, the gym is huge. I go every single morning, um, and that's something that I enjoy doing, and I don't take my phone. And I, because I want to disconnect, I want to just be by myself, I want to be with me not me in connection to, you know, my businesses or social media or my family or my friends. And all of these things are amazing and great. But I just want to know who who is Angel today? What does Angel want? What does what does Angel need? And then from there, you know, it makes it easier to show up as a CEO, as a coach, as a friend, as a daughter, you know, whatever the, the role might be. Uh, and I think for, for people who are recovering, that can be very Uh, it can, it can seem almost as a denial, like a, like a, like a traitorous uh, behavior or mindset to have of showing up for yourself first, but that's really what needs to happen in order to see
0: lasting change. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's like, um, yeah, I had this process too. Like uh, for example, before I was really living for other people all the time Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize that you are the most important person. Yeah. and um that's also the mission of this podcast like uh embrace who you are and live uh truly who you are and um put yourself on number one that's so important mm. and um i really feel like you're doing that too and um of course you need to do that because uh, you have uh, really really much uh, responsibilities and um so that's amazing And, um, I really like to talk to you a lot, but, um, I would like to keep it on one hour Uh, before we wrap things up, uh, where can we find you? Yeah, I would love it if you connect
1: with me. You can find me on YouTube. My my name is my channel, so Angel J Storm PhD. If you Google that into YouTube, you'll find my YouTube channel. You can find me on Instagram at the underscore manifold underscore mind. And, uh, and you can find my, my website as well, themanifoldmind.com. I'd love to connect with you. Reach out to me. I'd love to know what more what other information I could I could put out or how I could be of help um, to people who are recovering or even who are just recognizing just now I'm dealing with a narcissist.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Angel, for coming on my podcast. Thank you so much for having such, me. It's such an interesting subject and um, I wish you all the best. And um, maybe for a second time, I think yes. uh, we got a lot more to talk about. Maybe the holistic part. Uh, yes, absolutely. It's also really interesting. So um, thank you so much for listening, everybody, and uh, I see you in the next episode. Bye bye.